You know what time that means, Julio? This means college football time for a straight hour. Welcome to the rest of the field. I'm Jay Binkley with Julio Sanchez producing the operation. And look who's here. Don't have to call him. Don't have to call him in Manhattan, which he just heard the Bruce Weber show, something that his station came in plays in Manhattan. My good friend, John Kurtz. Find him on Twitter at JL Kurtz. Mr. Kansas State. Mr. Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 635 or the 635 435 podcast network if it was a 635 podcast network we'd have to throw accidents every day into it like these <laughs> these, these all these uh these potholes and everything to get over it so it's the 435 which they have potholes too welcome john i get distracted yeah no hey i appreciate you having me on again the uh the 435 podcast network is a little safer no a little it bit is safer. and i've always said you know and they never sports commission never took me up on it but i offered to take kathy nelson on a cruise Around the 435 loop, if she ever got the draft to Kansas City. Well, she did. I, I owe her that. Time to pay up, yeah. You know how long it would take you, that 435 loop? I'm sure it takes yeah, you quite a while. It would. It's, it's it quite would. a parade. Yeah. Should have been the parade route for the Royals. You know, let everybody celebrate. Oh, you know? I like that. I like that a lot. You said the whole city. You, you get the Kansas side, the Missouri side, you name it. Just the 435 loop, and people aren't jumping out of their cars downtown. You know how that works? Yeah, who needs that Union Station picture? <laughs> that would look even better. <laughs> everybody just meet there for the pick. At the end, but John Kurtz uh, fresh off his trip to Memphis uh, for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl where Kansas State falls to Navy uh, in a game that uh, saw both things. Saw Skylar Thompson. Thompson up under center. He's going to push the pile ahead. No signal from the officials just yet. And there it is. Touchdown. They had the C on the chest for that game. He's a team captain like Wyatt Hubert. Also, we saw a little bit of this. How about Lee Summit West, Phillip Brooks? Good high spinning kick. Fielding the ball at about the 35-yard line is Brooks. He's at the 40, got the corner far side, 45-50, 45-40, 35-30, 25-20. He's at the 10. He's got a house. Touchdown, Kansas State. What is up with Kansas State and the tradition of returning kicks? What is this, something like 53 in like the last 15 years for Kansas State? Yeah, they're, they're like almost 20 clear. I forget the exact note. It's in K-State's game notes every week. But they're about 20 clear of the next team since 1999, I believe. It's like Virginia the Tech. There. It's, but I think Virginia Tech is number two, but K-State's significantly higher. Special teams was the best offense K-State had in that game. They, they also nearly broke another touchdown when Malik Knowles uh, had a 50-plus yard return. But it came down to this, my friend. Right for the snap. Osborne holds out the hand. Snap back. Ball down. Kick on the way. And the kick is good! Mm. That led to a midshipman win. Over the middle, they look the lateral. Knowles, they fumble it on the ground. Ball is still loose. The lineman is down. And the game is over. And the Mids have won the 61st annual AutoZone Liberty Bowl. We talked about it. Big 12 struggled in bowl games so far. Kansas State was right there. This was a physical punch him in the mouth game. You had to think this with Navy. This team this team was solid all year. They get their 11th win on the year. They were ranked. They were ranked 23rd in the country and you know that triple option. You just don't see it in the Big 12 anymore. It is a special offense. You have to have special talent to do with the quarterback. A uh, guy that used to be in the stands, they pulled him down uh, to be a quarterback. With the, It's a great story. Great story. But uh, Navy gets the victory. Yeah, Malcolm Perry is the key to all of that because they are better than a typical triple option offense. He's he's a stud. He's a and stud what was the story about Malcolm Perry was once a 
just a cadet, and they yeah, wouldn't play football. And, and then initially was a, a running back or a slot back, as they would call it. That was one thing Kendi Amatololo was saying before the game. That, what a coach he is. Yeah, he's a great coach, and he said he made a mistake last year by playing him at slot back. They won three games. He put him at quarterback this year. Yeah. They win 11 games. Yeah. Uh, so that was clearly the key. I mean, that game went exactly how Navy wanted it to. They, they dominated time of possession, 36-23, frustrated K-State. The offense for the Wildcats never really got going. And uh, Navy just grinded it out, and they were aggressive, too. That's the other thing. You think of a triple option offense, it's kind of like this Amish offense, you know, in the the age of 2020. And instead, they're the ones with the aggressive play calls. Two trick plays, one for a touchdown, one that set up the game-winning field goal. I have a lot of respect for Navy coming out of that game because they are no joke. You know, one thing about it, too, is I've heard the trick plays. That's just part of the triple option. They're going to lull you to sleep with that run. You have to be so cognizant of your keys. Your man, who's your who's your sign off? You taking the back? You can take the quarterback. I mean, everybody's assigned to an individual, and you can't really break off of that if you're defensively for Kansas. You want to be assignment sound. You got to stay with your man. But overall, Navy's a team that was scoring 30 points a game there coming up there. But to hold them uh, to just 20 points, Kansas State was 17. Navy 421 yards, 323 yards on the ground compared to just 46 at Kansas State. It really didn't seem like Kansas State had the ball much. One for eight. On third down, seven of fifteen was Navy, but man, it's tough. It's tough to come back with Navy's offense. But when you get a lead or can hang around the lead, it is a tough offense to stop. Yeah, and and I tell you what, K State really, I think to me, there's a lot of talk about the end of the game. There should Chris Kleiman have called a timeout when he had three left before the halfback pass that set up the game-winning field goal. To me, the bigger issue is, like you said, there's not many possessions in that game. K State had basically six. There were seven, but one was a kneel down at the end of the first half. You cannot drop a wide-open touchdown pass. Uh, Phillip Brooks made up for it somewhat with a, a return touchdown later in the game, but he dropped on fourth down on K-State's first drive. Just a tailor-made touchdown on a great play from Skylar Thompson. Even earlier on that drive, Skylar missed a throw to Jordan Brown on a wheel route that should have been a touchdown. You can't survive like that against a Navy team that's this good in a limited possession game. And that was really the key. Plus, K-State blew a chance for a field goal by snapping a ball past Skylar Thompson. So those are the things that, I, to me, really made the biggest difference. In the game. That, was, that was tough. Eight pass attempts for uh, Navy in this game. Only 14 for Kansas State. What really stands out to rushing, though. Kansas State, 27 attempts to 54 from Navy. They Listen, they had, the, like you said, the time of possession. They had the ball for a full quarter longer than Kansas State did. Kansas State just didn't have those opportunities going against a school like Navy, and that's the problem with the triple option, man. When ran well, that's what Navy did this year is they ran the ball extremely well, and Malcolm Perry sets a record for rushing for a NCAA quarterback. And the Navy defense doesn't get as much credit as it deserves. I I think we talked about that going into the game, but Malcolm Perry gets all the headlines, but that defense really held K-State down. The Wildcats at 73 yards through three quarters. And if you do want to levy one criticism to what K-State did offensively, you mentioned the rushing numbers. K-State had a hard time running the ball against Navy. When they did finally decide to just cut it loose and air it out, a game-time touchdown drive, 79 yards, predominantly all through the air. I think you'd like to have seen K-State try to do more of that sooner, but a big part of the game plan, and this was said after the game, was protecting the defense and trying to not go three and out with pass, 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 incompletion, 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 punt. So I think K-State probably could have found a better balance between there, and that would have served them well. And the one thing about it, too, is when you're playing a school like Navy, they're used to seeing that in practice every day. Like, they stop the run. I've always said this, John, even when you get to the NFL, these guys that are coming in now playing spread offenses in high school, spread offenses in college, they get to the NFL, and just the skill and the art of tackling goes beside you. But if you're used to seeing this, 
every single day. Number one rush defense or rush offense in the country. Navy averaged 300, almost 361 yards a game on the ground. That's that's going up and down the football field three and a half times, more than three and a half times. Well, and you talk about a group that's going to be really disciplined. I mean, not only does the Navy defense have to go up against the triple option every day in practice, which is going to breed some discipline, but they're, all, they're also in the Navy. I mean, these are guys that Malcolm Perry's schedule was laid out in their media notes from 6 a.m. to yeah. midnight and just the crazy regimented schedule that they go through. That That's going to be a, an assignment sound, disciplined defense. And if we're being honest, K-State still has some work to go at the skill positions in terms of their skill talent. So they didn't overwhelm Navy with that. Navy was pretty disciplined. I think that's the recipe as to how they It always them. amazes me the, the amount of skill. And you always see, like, when you're doing high school football games, the guys they recruit. They're not, you know, necessarily the blue chippers that get those offers, but they're just right underneath it. But it's always the character of They're like the tough, gritty guys. Gritty yeah. guys but smart guys yeah. and tough because they're going to turn out to be officers in the Marine Corps, United States Navy. And Malcolm Perry, I think, wants to turn out for the NFL once he does his uh, five years of commitment time with Navy. If you think about that skill set, maybe he is. How'd you like Memphis? You know, Memphis is fun. Um, it was rainy and cold, which just how it was in 2015 when I went and watched K-State lose to Arkansas. But I actually did have a good experience. The, the Liberty Bowl is kind of old, a little bit of old money. Uh, it's It was the 61st Liberty Bowl. I think they could use some renovations to some things. But uh, as far as Memphis goes, had a good time on Beale Street. New Year's was a lot oh, of Beale fun. Street looked like a lot of fun. Oh, it, it is. BB King's, King's at the hot spot down there? What's the hot spot? Oh, man, they got a bunch of uh, – so Tin Roof was probably – there was a line – just out the door, stretching across the sidewalk. Some friends and I tried to get into Tin Roof. That did not work well. But uh, Silky O'Sullivan's, where we had uh, our radio shows, another establishment down there. Really? It was really fun. But they, they close off all the streets. So New Year's, they have a their own ball drop, and everybody in the streets is DJ. Really? And the liquor laws allow you to just drink in the streets. So there's like a New bunch Orleans. of vendors. Exactly. There's vendors everywhere, and you could kind of just walk around and drink. I tell you what, I had a fireball lemonade slush. <laughs> that was the highlight of the trip. That was the highlight of the trip. I mean, Kansas State, I, I've seen reports of 23,000. I mean, the, the, we talked about this because the, the whole camping world board Orlando and, and Kansas State gets Memphis. I think Memphis is an easier drive, and the weather's been fantastic. You don't have to worry about snow. But you said it'd be a late-arriving crowd. They'd probably be smart with the way they got tickets. Well, what, what have you heard for attendance? I've seen 23,000. You heard more? Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. I know that the conversations that I had with people from K-State was before the game, and I think they were anticipating 15 to 20. Uh, the announced attendance at the game was over 50,000. I don't think that's – I think that's embellishing a little bit because the capacity is 60, and I think there was probably more than 10,000 open seats. But, boy, K-State fans outnumbered Navy fans, probably 9 or 10 to 1, um, somewhere around there. So I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000. K-State fans. And Beale Street's loving K-State fans. Let me put it oh, this way. What did I, Iowa State sold out their allotment, but they looked like a lot of even – but it looked like they traveled well because that was the big thing. We, we won the monitors, I was, which Iowa State didn't look so good in the bowl game. Who's going to travel better, Iowa State fans or Kansas State fans? Obviously, the Camping World Bowl thought that the Iowa State fans would, but I'm sure the uh, bartenders and waitresses and waiters in Memphis would disagree. Yeah, I tell you what. I saw the crowd picture that you may be referencing there of Iowa State's fans, and I was I was a little bit surprised. I thought that they would do a bit better in the fan attendance. One thing that may help out K-State, because it's so hard to tell, like, okay, how many fans did you specifically have? How do you determine that when you have the secondary ticket market these days? The announced attendance of the Camping World Bowl was 47-something less 
than the 50,000 that was there in Memphis for the Liberty Bowl. So mm. hopefully that number mm. uh, helps out K-State. I would say K-State at least did an adequate job to put them in position to uh, to get some better bowl games in the future. I know Iowa State travels well. They always do for basketball, and I understand. But Kansas State's been a few more bowl games. So they understand, you know, going there. But there's nothing like that 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 fan base in Manhattan or what they built up at Kansas State. Then you have the, the rush of new people, like, really liking the climbing direction and which way it's going. I expected Kansas State to turn out much better than I think the Bulls did. Yeah, now they lost the game, and it was – Kind of painstaking, you know, to lose the game the way K-State did, playing a team like Navy that just grinds it out. It was a boring, frustrating game. I mean, fans were frustrated after the game. But the future is still very bright, and I think that's the important thing. And K-State fans understand that and realize that. In fact, uh, the day after K-State loses that game to the Liberty Bowl, the Wildcats landed their highest-rated recruit in over a decade, basically since Josh Freeman. Uh, in quarterback Jake Rubley, who's a four-star kid that had an LSU offer, Penn State, Michigan. So, yeah, the future is still very bright. I think there will be uh, plenty more bowl games in the future. That's uh, the voice of John Kurtz, a sports director came in in Manhattan, uh, our Kansas State insider, so to speak, and does that faithful tour colors podcast. We come back. John and I will take a look at the national scene, the college football playoffs that began last Saturday. Little LSU and Clemson, a title game. How'd they get there? We discuss that next. Rush the Field with Jay Binkley. Welcome back to Rush the Field. Jay Binkley with Julio Sanchez producing. John Kurtz at JL Kurtz on Twitter in studio with us. All right, man, let's look at these college football playoffs. We've wanted playoffs. We got them. LSU with the prize of the Big 12 Conference, the Oklahoma Sooners. Somebody that you've seen well, and it was a lot of this. Second down and four for LSU. Burrow throws. Slam going to be caught inside the 10. Battling his way near the goal line. It's Justin Jefferson. Touchdown, Tigers! Oh, and he did Justin Jefferson from Burrow. Wasn't done. Jamar Chase, your lone wideout. Burrow throws towards the end zone. Jefferson over and open. Over the shoulder catch. He's got it. Left corner of the end zone. Touchdown, Tigers! How about making the score 42-14 to to Thaddeus Moss, son of Randy. Burrow comes up firing, got that Moss, caught at the 40 far side, outside the numbers, 20, 15, 10, and bounces his way into the end zone, touchdown, Tigers! Then it was all over for Coach O. The horn will sound, this one is in the books, Tigers win, Tigers win, and we are headed to New Orleans. Tigers headed to the title game, coming up in two weeks from the Big Easy. They'll take on either Ohio State or Clemson, who play later tonight out in Arizona. Tigers stay unbeaten on the season, make it 14-0, and they are the 2019 Peach Bowl champions here in Atlanta. Final score, your Fighting Tigers of LSU, 63, the Sooners of Oklahoma, 28. How about Joe Burrow? You know, Heisman Trophy, been on the circuit, you're on the dinner circuit as soon as you win it. Um... Terrible thing that happened with uh, Imsinger, the uh, co-offensive coordinator with his daughter-in-law on that plane flight that they crashed earlier this morning, and he still worked. And terrible deal, a team that was playing on emotions. But I'll say this, man, Joe Burrow, I have never, I've watched a lot of football, I've never seen a half like he put on. Oklahoma's fourth in the Big 12 in pass defense, uh, number one in rush defense. Seven touchdown passes in the first half. Ends up with eight touchdowns because he ran one in. 
He was on pace for 800 yards and 14 touchdowns. <laughs> Had that game been close, I'm not kidding you. I, I have never seen that kind of display in that kind of moment. This is stuff you do against, you know, Middle Tennessee State in week two. Well, exactly. I mean, that's that's why I laugh. I mean, it's it's laughable to hear that that happened. And I have been the guy, and I did a little bit of this last week. I've been the guy trying to stick up for Oklahoma. Alex Grinch really has made some improvements significantly to that defense. To call bring them it. Gr- good, but not great. Yeah, exactly. And that, I would have called them solid. They are a solid college football, a top 40 college football defense. I think one of the problems for Oklahoma is that simply we found out Jalen Hurts not quite as dynamic as what you had in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and the offense just couldn't keep up. And Oklahoma got some bad breaks and they were missing their best safety, their best pass rusher in that game. Like they, they had some issues. They were pretty depleted, but you can't give up seven touchdowns and a half. I mean, I don't care how good Joe Burrow is and he may, he may be having the greatest college football quarterback season of all time. If he caps it off with a national championship, but as a big 12 fan, okay. K state fan, but a big 12 fan, Oklahoma has to do better than that. This is going to fuel narratives for years. Oklahoma losing the way that they just did to LSU. And that's the disheartening part to me is you really take a step back and say, God, the the Big 12 really is. I I can't defend it. It really appears to be that far off the elite of college football. right? Big 12, one and five in bowl games, so to speak. Uh, The SEC, six and two in bowl games. Two more games left for the SEC. Uh, (laughs) In Tennessee right now is getting boat raced by Indiana in the Gator Bowl, sixteen to six. This very, but who knows? It's college football. Who knows what happens in this game? We've seen, uh, seen bigger. Uh, we've seen sixteen nothing deficits in there. Yeah, that's right. Evaporate like the game we're about to talk about. But the fact is, uh, the SEC still has one more game with LSU in Clemson coming up. A uh, bad look for Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts. Here's a guy that's nothing but a winner. Twenty six and two at Alabama, uh, twelve and two now. At uh, at Oklahoma finishes what thirty eight and four as the starting quarterback. One of the most interesting careers in college football history, you know, to go from being a guy that went to back to back title games, yanked in a title game, yanked in a title game, loses his job, transfers to Oklahoma, goes back to the college football playoff. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I particularly like the way that he handles himself. Um, so I'm I'm sad to see him go out like that. But you just have to tip your cap. I mean, Al- or uh, LSU rather is. What are the better college football teams that we've seen in a long time? And I, I, so much of it is about Joe Burrow. We were just looking at recruiting rankings. LSU's up at the top. They have talent. We know they have talent. I don't think they have really transcended talent across the board like a Clemson does, but their quarterback elevates them so much. Joe Burrow took LSU from being a middling top, well, I say middling, but a, a top 15-ish program to all of a sudden one of the most dominant college football forces we've seen in years. It's all about that kid, man. He is he has lived up to the hype and just shattered any expectation you could have had for him in that game. The uh, college football playoffs uh, started 2014. Ohio State over Oregon, year number one. 2015, Bama over Clemson. 2016, Clemson over Bama. 2017, Bama over Georgia. 2018, Clemson over Bama. This year, LSU or Clemson. Clemson is now in its one, two, three, four, fourth national title game since 2014 and they're not getting this i'm sick of clemson like i'm sick of bama maybe they climb into that a category but they've now been in the playoffs five straight years they play ohio state the big thing was they didn't played anybody they haven't played anybody whatsoever well then it came to playing ohio state which 
Ohio State, in my opinion, could have gone down as one of the top five college football teams ever if they would have won the national title game, but they didn't because of Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, is undefeated as a starter. Matter of fact, Clemson's now won 29 straight, 15-0 last year, 14-0 this year, so a chance to go 30-0 the last two seasons. Two national titles if you want them. Here's Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence takes a shotgun snap, going to run it up the middle. Got room, cost to the 40, 45. He gets to the 50. He's at the 45, 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 25, 20. Down the left side, and he goes in Lawrence. Oh, Into the end zone. Touchdown. Goodness. What a run by Trevor Lawrence. Unbelievable. 67 yards, obviously the longest of his career. It was an unbelievable run by Trevor Lawrence after the game. This is what he told his team on the final drive. Let's go win it. We were built for this. Uh, that's what we're waiting for. We get a chance to prove ourselves. Let's go do it. And there was no doubt. I told him, I love y'all. Let's, let's lay it all out here right now. This was a game that's frustrating as could be if I was an Ohio State fan. I watched this game as an intro observer. I have no dog in the fight. Although four of the Clemson uh, players from the Kansas City area, including Isaiah Simmons, that had a, a big time. That guy is a stud. It just shows you, like, why aren't these guys going local, man? Everybody's yeah. <laughs> getting these guys. But... To me, this game turned on several plays. The uh, the helmet-to-helmet, which gave Clemson extra time, extra down. Uh, when they were going to punt right inside their 10-yard line, you know, Ohio State hits the punter. They changed momentum because they scored in that game. The other big one was the, the reception-slash-fumble-slash-touchdown Ohio State, which I believe should have counted. I didn't think so when I first watched it with the naked eye. But when you slow it down, I saw three steps there. And then in hell... The commissioner of the SEC, or no, the Big Ten is like, what did, and other people are saying, other reps are looking at this, like McCauley, Terry McCauley does the NFL say, wait a minute, Ohio State got jobbed here. It was an SEC officiating crew, but it appeared to me, if I was an Ohio State fan, I would have been livid over that call because that should have been a touchdown Ohio State. Absolutely. Well, you're right. As far as brutal losses go, that's up there as one of the most brutal losses I've seen in a long time because of the magnitude of the game and the way that it happened. I mean, Ohio State... They're up 16 to nothing. They have three trips inside the red zone and come away with three field goals. They don't bury Clemson when they have the chance. And then, yes, controversy. I I think it was the correct call on targeting, but I don't like the spirit of the rule in that situation. That's, that's a tough thing to absorb. I'm with you as well on instant replay. Look, if we're going to have instant replay in college football, I, I hear everybody saying, well, hey, if you look at it in fast motion, it's different than slowing it all the way down. And the officials... You know, I've I've seen the sentiment from officials like, okay, hey, if you slow it down like that, it changes the way things are. If we're going to have instant replay, the point is to slow it down and see what it looks like in slow motion. And HD about, makes us all officials yeah, at home. There's about four steps taken there before the ball came loose. I, I think it was a fumble, and if I'm Ohio State, I would be very upset by that. But at the same time, I'm also not here to stand up and say today, Ohio State got screwed and should have won the game. They had some tough breaks go against them, but they also did not take advantage of when they could have killed Clemson when they had the chance early in the game. They did rough the punter, which was that's something that they did by themselves. You have to go take advantage of these opportunities, and Ohio State had plenty of them with a Clemson team, by the way, that had T. Higgins injured for most of the game. In, in baseball terms, they gave a lot of fourth outs. They yes. gave a lot of fourth outs, yes, they and uh, Clemson took advantage of it. Listen, you don't make mistakes to Clemson. Again, this team, this is their fourth national title game. They will hurt you. If you put, don't don't hurt yourself because Clemson's good enough to hurt you, and I think Clemson gets a lot of mojo by beating Ohio State that had three guys in the top six in the Heisman Trophy uh, voting. But anyway, there there you go, Clemson LSU. 
John and I will get back and talk about that at the end. But coming up next, Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports as we look at these college football playoffs next. Welcome back to Rush the Field. Jay Binkley with Julio Sanchez producing John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan, the sports director down there in studio as he made his way back from Memphis. Joining us down on the phone lines at Nick Bromberg, Yahoo Sports own. And Yahoo Sports has been very, very busy this time of year. Also give Nick a follow on Twitter at Yahoo Sports CFB for his college football. Oh, you want some NASCAR? He's got you covered there as well. Nick, good evening. What's going on? How are you? Hey, we were just discussing, uh, John and I were just discussing these playoff games. A, a couple of notes before we move on to the Clemson, um, the Clemson-Ohio State game, which I think deserves a little more attention. Joe Burrow and LSU. Like Oklahoma, this was their chance. The Big 12 right now is 1-5 in, in bowl games. The marquee program got a new defensive coordinator in Alex Grinch, nephew of Gary Pinkle, supposed to make things better. That was an embarrassing display by Oklahoma. No human being should have seven touchdown passes in the first half. No, not at all. This was what uh, Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield have done to FCS opponents and lesser group of five teams in in September, and this happened in uh, December in a college football playoff game. And, And, you know, you have to... I hate making proclamations when it comes to bowl games and how you know you have to view a conference in the light of one or two teams' performances here. But even without the Big 12's record and the fact that Texas is the only Big 12 team that has won a bowl game here, it is not good at all for the Big 12 that Oklahoma has gotten to the playoffs and has lost every single time it has made the playoffs. The Big 12 obviously has the cachet enough to get Oklahoma, and the fact that Oklahoma's dynamic offense gets itself into the top four, but it cannot keep up when it gets paired against a top team from another conference. Hey, Nick, this is John Kurtz here. It's good to talk to you. I, how different would it be had Oklahoma not lost that game to Georgia in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago? Ooh, that's a fantastic question. And maybe we do view Oklahoma a little bit differently. And also, too, does Oklahoma then say that game isn't 54-48 and Georgia does not score the points that it scores in the second half. Oklahoma keeps the Georgia offense in check. Is that a recruiting boon for Oklahoma? Do they get better athletes on the defensive side? Mm. Do they have to make a defensive court interchange and bring Alex Grinch in? That's a fantastic hypothetical Along the lines of, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to playoff hypotheticals, along the lines of what happens if Nick Saban does not make the move to change quarterbacks against Georgia in the, the, the following week in the championship game. It's amazing, that game. And, you know, Joe Burrow, I, I just, you know, it's one thing when you win the Heisman Trophy, you get all the attention, and I understand Jalen Jalen Hurts was there as well. But the, the whole banquet circuit, you know, Ed Orgeron, you know, coach of the year, and Jalen Hurts or excuse me, Joe Burrow, going in different uh, banquets. Uh, Jalen Hurts had the same thing. Of course, they had the plane crash uh, tragedy to deal with as well. But the the way that Joe Burrow went, anytime you're a quarterback, 800 yards and 14 touchdowns is what he was on pace for. He ends up with eight touchdowns. That's just That is just an incredible feat for a team like Oklahoma, number one in rushing defense in the Big 12, fourth in the Big 12 in pass defense. Uh, I just can't, I can't, I can't fathom what happened. And then, the runners-up, Baylor, you know, they were beaten by a Georgia team that didn't have anybody. You know, Georgia, yeah, Georgia, I think, played that game 
we couldn't exactly get an official count, but as far as I think it ended up being about 14 or 15 guys from Georgia that did not play last night, and that's not counting DeAndre Swift, who got one carry for two yards with that shoulder injury he's dealing with. You know, along the lines of Baylor, I I fear for Charlie Brewer, quite frankly. Um, that was a nasty hit that he took in the fourth quarter oh, of yeah. that game. And, you know, it was pretty obvious that it looked like it was an apparent concussion. Obviously, we didn't know that during the game. But the scary part about that is, you know, Brewer got concussed in the Big 12 championship game. And the ESPN broadcast noted last night that that Big 12 title game concussion was his third. So if that was concussion last night, that's four concussions. That's extremely scary. So wishing Charlie Brewer nothing but the best that he gets to full health. And thankfully, you know, now he's got nine months of an offseason to get his head right, literally, and be ready to play football as he continues. Well, let's go out and look at Clemson against Ohio State. And it's funny that Clemson, I was telling John, they don't <coughs> seem to get that backlash like the New England Patriots did. <coughs> Excuse me, the New York Yankees did when they went all the time. The way Bama gets. Clemson will be in their fourth national title game. They've won this thing twice. They have a chance to go 30-0 for the last two years. Are people going to start turning on Clemson like they do Bama and everything else? Because it seems they, they would love this underdog card, but yet they find themselves in their fourth title game. You know, that's a fantastic observation. And I think it's because Clemson was the foil to Alabama and has been the foil to Alabama. And if the Clemson playoff streak right now, the Clemson playoff streak, is tied with Alabama for longest in the playoff era. Obviously, Alabama was broken this season. Alabama had made five playoffs before this year. Clemson's now at five playoffs because Clemson missed the playoff in the first season. If Clemson runs us to six or seven and Alabama does not get back to the playoff, I think you start people start viewing Clemson a little more along the lines of Alabama because if you're looking at the, at the programs that everybody loves to hate, right now outside of Alabama, Ohio State, you know, I think a lot of people like to mock Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. So there's a lot of schadenfreude, no matter what was going to happen in that Citrus Bowl on Wednesday. Yeah, Michigan or Alabama won that game. So I think it's because, you know, Clemson became the king by knocking off the king. And, you know, if Clemson goes out and beats LSU, obviously Clemson can say, hey, look, we're the better playoff program in the playoff era than Alabama. And, you know, a 30-game win streak, you know, UCF, it's funny, too, because Clemson's getting to play the disrespect card, kind of similar to what UCF was playing um, when they were on their undefeated run. But first off, I don't think Clemson's being disrespected by any stretch of imagination. And second, obviously, Clemson's win streak, I think, a little more impressive than what UCF pulled off a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I hope I – mean, Dabo Sweetie got his national championship as a player. Guess where? New Orleans, the Superdome. So he won as a player for Alabama – in that exact building, so no stranger uh, to success in his life. The Ohio State game, John and I were talking about, you know, blown opportunities, like baseball, giving up that fourth out, you know, with that helmet to helmet and the running into the punter. What did you make on that touchdown that was called and called back, the key play in that game? I think it's absolutely telling that you have both. I think it makes sense that the Big 12 or Big 10 coordinator officials, Bill Carollo, he said, hey, look, that should not have been reversed. I think it was noteworthy that Rogers Redding, the national coordinator of officials, said, hey, that should not have been reversed. And Redding is in a, you know, he's in a position where he can say that because he's the outgoing national coordinator of officials. He's actually, <laughs> coincidentally, going to be replaced by Steve Shaw, the SEC officiating director. And obviously, that was an SEC crew <laughs> yeah. that was uh, officiating that Fiesta Bowl. Quite frankly, I have no idea how that was reversed. But if I, 
had that been called incomplete and you go back and you look at the play in slow motion, and yes, okay, he got three, maybe even a fourth step down before the ball came loose, when Akuda knocked it loose. Okay, you could say, hey, look, we saw it in real time. There's no way that could be a catch. We're sticking with the call on the field. But the fact that the official who was five, basically five feet away from that play, right on the sideline, had a fantastic view, no hesitation, went, grabbed his beanbag, threw it down where the fumble had happened, and let the play go on. I realize they're trained to do that, but he let the play go on and instinctually did not call for incomplete. I think that should have been basically a very high bar for replay clear. I don't think replay clear, replay clear that. But as you said, Ohio State made its own bet. Ohio State threw that game away. Yeah. Clemson did not score in that possession. Ohio State ended up taking the lead after that. So, yes, did that wipe off a go-ahead touchdown? It did. But at the same time, Ohio State did take the lead shortly after that. No question. Final question for you, Nick. How do you uh, how do you see this one playing out on Monday the 13th? You know, you mentioned Dabo winning his national title in New Orleans. Um, every single time that LSU has played for the national championship in the BCS era, guess where it's been? New Orleans. In Bama. I am, I am going to go with LSU, and I think it's going to be something along the lines of 38-34 and okay. Joe Burrow fantastic 2019 extends into 2020 and then he had straight in from this to be the number one overall pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, we're going to have battles of back-to-back number one picks in two straight years between uh, Burrow and Trevor Lawrence if things hold out and play out like I think they will. Nick Bromberg, Yahoo Sports. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Nick Bromberg. Nick, thanks as always. Appreciate it, my man. Hey, enjoy talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. There you go, Nick Bromberg right there. Now, John Kurtz and I We'll dive in to the LSU-Clemson game, plus update this tax layer uh, Gator Bowl. Impressive. Big Ten versus SEC. You know, their officials are mad at each other. We'll tell you who's winning next. Welcome back. Jay Bankley, Julio Sanchez, John Kurtz in the house from K-Man in Manhattan. Heck, he's a – might as well be a 6'10 guy as well. You guys, nice little promo running during – K-State uh, football. Probably K-State basketball, too. Haven't yeah. heard it yet, but probably is. Probably I appreciate is. that. I really do appreciate that. The uh, Faithful to Our Colors podcast has been on a two-week hiatus for the uh, the holidays, but looking forward to getting back at it this week. Would you, I know you're a uniform guy. What you think of the uh, no cats on the helmet, but the power cat? Loved them. I, all whites are my favorite in general uniform combination that exists out there in football. It has been my dream to see K-State play in all whites. The shame of it is they lost in them. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, they gotta get rid of those. People uh, are screaming about the cat on the uh, helmet. People are screaming about everything with the you know you, you just can't win. But the good news is, I don't think they're going anywhere. K State will change it up every now and then. They look great. Even the you mentioned the C, the captain, that, the, that's the, new, Skyler right? Thompson had that was new. Uh, even the helmets were new from the white helmets that they wore earlier in the year. These are like actual new, legitimate helmets that they got in instead of just swapping the decals. So I thought they looked great. Unfortunately, it was not uh, look good, feel good, play good. Wyatt Hubert had the other captain, didn't he? He was a special teams captain. I didn't I didn't notice all their captains. Captain. That's, I, a, that's I, a good question. I, I just noticed two Ankle, of them. But, yeah, th- th- it was a cool touch. I thought that was a really cool touch to put on those uniforms. I'm, I am a uniform nerd, and I like those. Honestly, Navy had good uniforms, too. That was a pretty good uniform Oh, battle. Navy's helmets are sick, The man. helmets are great, yeah. Remember that we used to be? They used to be all white, and they had the anchor on the helmet? Like, uh-huh. Navy's got some sweet helmets. They did. These are, I don't know how they did it. They create that like weathered look. It looks like yeah. it's been like weathered through, yeah. you know, a storm or something. It, it's crazy, but they were nice. And another cool tribute I thought was uh, Kansas State at the end of the game. Navy always goes over to the uh, 
to the fans there, and they 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 do the songs, you know, between the the team and the and the, and there was there was Kansas State kind of honoring that the tradition there with Navy at the end of the game. And I thought that was a nice touch by the Wildcats. Yeah, it was. That that's that's kind of who Chris Kleiman is. Um, he's a he's a very high character guy and a thoughtful guy in moments and situations like that. I I would. I don't mean to make this about myself because what he did was a great moment and a great representation of who he is. But just to tell an anecdote that I think accentuates that we were at Texas. And if you've ever been probably many listening, haven't to Texas, their media room is impossible to find. It's like in the stands and I always get lost trying to find it. And there's always somebody that shows up late to the press conference because of it. Well, this past year it was me. (laughs) I showed up late. Uh, Kleiman's just getting ready to start at the podium. They just lost on a last-second field goal, right? Close. So Kleiman is ready to talk, and the sports info guy, Kenny, there, he's like, hey, do you want us to wait for you, John? Because I had to set up a camera, and I was like, no, just just go ahead. I'll I'll catch up. It'll be fine. And Chris Kleiman just stood up, and he's like, no, no, it's okay. We'll wait. And just sat there and waited for me to set up my camera and be able to film the whole thing, which... That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Right after a heartbreaking loss on a last-second field goal, I... I'll just say it is much different than what it was in previous years where that would not have happened. It's that family atmosphere in Manhattan, man. It's, yeah. the, it's the family touch that Chris Kleiman brings. You got to respect that. I like I that. appreciate it very much. I like what Kleiman's doing there. All right, this national title game, John. This is, I understand the sentiment. People, I mean, you know, you look at it from the outside, you say, well, she's going to roll the hell out of Clemson. I've heard that. I've heard that quite a bit. I'm, I'm not tempted to go that direction just because of what Clemson is. Clemson will find weaknesses. They'll exploit them. And let's face it, you don't get the four national titles since 2014 not knowing what you're doing. And losing to Alabama is no great change. There's only two teams with multiple championships in this new era, and that's Clemson in Alabama and Dabo from Alabama. You know, I'm sure the Crimson Tide faithful want him to be at Alabama when Nick Saban decides to go. I don't know if he ever will. I think he might stay at Clemson like a lifer. But – and why wouldn't you stay in the ACC? I mean, that's just slim pickings till you get to the playoffs. Let's be honest. Um, who do you like in this game? I hate to say it almost right now because I love Joe Burrow so much. I really love Coach O. I'm a Clemson lean right now. You're Clemson leaning. I'm a Clemson lean because I feel like this will be a coin flip game. And right now, I'm staring Clemson in the face. 29 straight wins. Five straight playoffs, three titles in four years. Potentially, if they win this, it would be their second straight. But playing down in uh, New Orleans from Baton Rouge, I mean, that, home game would be Louisiana celebration. You're right, that Louisiana is hot sauce down there, John. But Trevor Lawrence is a kid that's been there and won a national championship before. And I, I know that it was it was not their best game against Ohio State. They were pretty bad to start that game, but they showed me the championship experience and the championship medal to fall behind by 16 and drag themselves back into that game and find a way to win it and make the plays at the end. So I'm anticipating a coin flip kind of a game between Clemson and LSU. Give me the team and the program that has been there before and done this before. I'm going to roll with Clemson right now just because of that. And admittedly, it could be too much of a high from watching just how good that game was. I think it was the best college football game I saw this year, Clemson and Ohio State. I'm leading Clemson right now. I really am because of that, because I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a dude that finds a way to get it done in the end. I love Joe Burrow. He's fantastic, and I think it will either be a close Clemson win or an LSU blowout. I'm totally wrong, and LSU just rolls them because Burrow is that good. Right now, I'm, I'm 
drinking that Clemson Kool-Aid. So, Dabo, you cannot say that you have haters here because I'm picking you. Well, they don't have Hunter Renfro to save them out with those clubs, but they showed that clutchness. Remember, Hunter Renfro was always that clutchness. That's right. He, so, he showing John Gruden some of that now. Yeah, he had the game-winning TD, right, from uh They always destroyed Alabama. Yeah. Sean Watson, was he threw for – he played Alabama twice in the national title game, threw for 400 yards each time. Like, that was a, a barometer. There was a former GM – uh, Dorsey, I'll go ahead and see Dorsey. He, he uh, looking for a job, Dorsey. Um, had, it used to have the media come in to, to the war room. He, when he grabbed film to watch, he didn't he didn't care so much what you did against smaller competition. He cared what you did against the good competition. Meaning, okay, did you play Alabama? Let's watch the tape. You know, right. which, which team has the NFL talent? Let's watch that tape. Deshaun Watson had that tape. When you do what he did against Alabama... Really a thorn in there. So even when Jake Coker won that national title back, right. you know, Watson's still moving the ball up and down the field. The guy's just a winner, and Trevor Lawrence is carrying that tradition. That guy just wins, and you see why they made that switch at quarterback to Trevor Lawrence instead of Kelly Bryant. He, he's unbelievable. And and the thing that he showed, I, I think another thing I like about Clemson going into the game against LSU is that they showed that they can be versatile in the way that they win games. Uh, Dambo Sweeney said that he wrote down two things on his play sheet, and one of them was run the quarterback. The other one was throw the ball to the running back. They did both of those things really well. Travis Etienne was shut down really on the ground running the ball, but they got the football to him creatively in the passing game, including that little pot pass that they hit. And then Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he had that 60-plus yard touchdown run, 67 yards. 67 yards. And that was unbelievable, just just towing the sideline. And he showed that speed. He's a big guy. That, that's the thing. Like, at his size, he can move, and I didn't think that he had that in him. I mean, Little he's Josh making, Allen in him. Right. He's making Ohio State look slow, and that's a new element to their offense that we haven't seen as much. So I think I think they have the ability to win a lot of different ways because of that. So I am I am really liking what I'm seeing out of Clemson right now. I'm going to lean towards LSU. That's subject to change because we'll have a show next week before that game. Um, actually, yeah. One more before the game because the game's on what Monday? Monday, yeah, Monday the thirteenth. Monday the thirteenth. Well, what's what's going to be this Monday? Is this Monday the thirteenth? Okay, it's two weeks because today's January second, so it'd be. Uh, Do I have that wrong? Let me look at my calendar. It'd be. Uh, yeah, they space these things out, John. This would be the thirteenth, so in two weeks. So I got two more of these shows. So I'll uh, make that uh, bet next week. But I'm leaning towards LSU and Joe Burrow right now. But Trevor Lawrence six six. They said they have him listed at 220. He's probably all a bit 230. I mean, he is the prototypical, like if you could create a quarterback in a lab right now, you'd, you'd want it to be Trevor Lawrence. And I think the thing about Trevor Lawrence too, is that Trevor Lawrence really fits the mold for an NFL quarterback today because of his athleticism. Like Joe Burrow, you kind of have like size with the athleticism, right? Right. You kind of have like the, a couple different types of quarterbacks going at it here. Like Joe Burrow gets the Tom Brady comparisons because he's so smart and it's so pinpoint accurate. Whereas Trevor Lawrence is much more, you know, he's a guy that'll sling it and throw some interceptions. That was the knock on him early in the year. He was throwing too many picks. So he's a little bit more of a gunslinger, but he's also got that athleticism stuff that you drool over more so than Joe Burrow. That's why Joe Burrow wasn't up at the top of the draft boards until he did what he did this year. He's just been so accurate and so smart that now you, you can't turn him away. Well, Trevor Lawrence had over 500 yards rushing this year, so he shows that. I mean, the modern-day quarterback can run, they can throw, they can do so many different things, and it's unbelievable. Joe Burrow can run the ball really well, too. I mean, Joe Burrow's one of those guys, man. It's just sneaky good. 
not the size, 6'4", about 215 for him. A little bit smaller than Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence is the beast. He had over 300 yards rushing this year. Uh, Joe Burrow did as well. But, yeah, I understand the Tom Brady comparison, but he moves around a little bit better. But Trevor Lawrence. Certainly right now, yeah. But he just wins. There's that clutch gene that quarterbacks have. That Just that clutch gene, and Trevor Lawrence has it because he just keeps winning, man. And that, that's the it's thing. hard to pin a loss on him because he's never lost. He he found a way when they had to get a win at North Carolina early in the year. And I know, say what you will about Mac Brown in North Carolina, but he found a way. How about old Mac? And he's won every single game that he's played at quarterback. I'm not going to go against that guy. As good as Joe Burrow has been, and I hate to say it, I am not going to go against Trevor Lawrence because of all of that. That's really where I'm at on this. And but what a what a if you match bet every time for Trevor Lawrence, you'd be a big winner. And and. and I say all this knowing that if Joe Burrow wins this game, there's a strong argument to be made that he's having the best college football quarterbacking season ever. Uh, Cam Newton and Vince Young, I think a lot of people consider to be the best college football quarterbacking seasons that have occurred out there. He's already got more yards and more touchdowns than those two. He's got 55 total touchdowns this year. If he has a national championship to go with it like those two did, I would make the argument Joe Burrow has the best season ever. What's the record? 58, Colt Brennan? 58. Yeah, he's three off. So he, he could wind offense. up with a national championship and a record for touchdowns Who would have ever wanted to compare LSU's offense with an Hawaii? Wide open spread. That's, that's, yes. He's doing Washington State's type stuff at LSU. In the that's, that's the difference for Burrow. Can't thank you enough, John Kurtz, uh, joining us, uh, wrapping up the uh, Kansas State AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Huge thanks to Julio Sanchez producing the operation. Nick Bromberg who uh, joined us with a little college football playoffs. This, this show's not done. we got a show next week and the week after called Rush the Field 8-9. to nine. See you guys tomorrow. Rush the Field with Jay Binkley.